Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Necromaniacs Horror Podcast. It's Necro Thursday, and I'm here with my co-host, Jeff Kashid. How's it going, Jeff? Good, man. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. A little sad that the Halloween season is over. Um, I look forward to it all year. And, uh, you know, it comes and goes, and it's all this anticipation. And now it's gone. Now we're in November. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Um, I just, for the first time in 10 years, I did 31 Days of Horror. Successful? And, uh, yes, I watched 31 uh, movies, one for each day. And That's uh, awesome. I. Yeah, man, I, I had a lot of fun doing it. I used to do it back in the day, 10 years ago, uh, and I would write like little reviews on Facebook. Uh, this time it just, you know, popped up on uh, Instagram stories when I was watching with a little caption, you know, didn't take up too much of my time. And it was a lot of fun. And I find myself kind of missing having that. Uh, I had to watch a horror movie today. I mean, I, technically I could still do it, but... Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I love October, love Halloween. We live in Austin now in a house and we get trick-or-treaters. Uh, very different from living in an apartment in L.A. Uh, it was a lot of fun, man. I'm, Dude, I, I always look forward to next year. Was any any cool costumes with the kids or anything like that? Yeah, actually, there's one kid uh, dressed as a vampire, but his cape said IRS on it. <laughs> IRS. <laughs> awful, I, I do. I, I do live in Texas, after all, you know. Was he was he like an older kid? That or was he like an older kid, like who understood like some of these things, or is it you know? I don't think so. Maybe like 12, 13 oh, yeah. ish. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's funny. Maybe yeah, his right funny parents. Maybe his right yeah. parents put him up to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, it got kind of late, and uh, my girlfriend Taryn left a bowl of candy out. And uh, uh, I I brought and uh, she's like you know go grab yourself a couple pieces and I look outside and someone had taken the whole bowl of candy because there was a I bought like two bags <laughs> and uh, I just gotta say it, it takes a real piece of shit to do something like that. I agree, man. And I'm gonna give you a little anecdote here. All right. Um, All right. I'm recording this in Elizabeth, New Jersey, with, at my girlfriend's place, and she told me that one year. She lives in a, more of a neighborhood as opposed to like where I live in New, in Jersey City, which mm. is like a little more of an urban environment. And um, one year she did the same thing and some scumbag kid did exactly what happened. Like he, yeah. he took the entire thing, except she got the, the culprit on video. Ah, okay. Yeah. So that sucks. Any, any, if anyone out there is like young, like a kid, you know, and uh, you want to learn manners, you know definitely uh be aware of stuff like that that it's not cool to steal even on halloween night you know i mean they did me a favor because with all that leftover candy i would have been snacking on it constantly i mean i went all out we got like two bags each bag had something different in it like a mix they had like twix Kit Kats, reese's hershey's almond joy no one likes almond joys um my mom my mom likes almond joy who had a she had a cameo on a couple episodes ago. My mom actually likes almond joys. Really, mom moms do like almond joys. It's always like the moms who who like that like candy that no one else likes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love it. I, always, I I'm gonna look forward to it uh, next year and try to do this 31 days of horror uh, every year. 
when I failed, like I chumped out on a 31 days of horror, just like the last like couple, I would say the last 12 weeks have been very, very, very unusually busy for me, you know, starting a new job. There's just been like a bunch of odds and ends going on that just been taking up a lot of time. So I chumped out, like I try to, I try to rig it where like some nights I'll watch two, you know, instead of one and it was sure, just, oh, yeah. catching up, you know, but it's like, it's just not the same, man. So hopefully next year, I, I really do like to, to engage in that because it's fun. You know what I mean? It is fun, man. I talked to a lot of people uh, on Instagram, people I've never spoken to before and I had a lot of back and forths, good conversations, people recommending me things. Uh, I enjoy it. Like I end up always end up making like a, a friend when I do that, you know, just someone to talk about horror with. It's it's a lot of fun. I really like doing it. Speaking of friends, let's give our rundown of the other horsemen of the podcasting apocalypse. Uh, you know, we got this uh, elitist group of podcast producers, the Illuminati of podcasting. Of course, I'm talking about the horsemen of the podcasting apocalypse. So kicking off the week, every other week we have Brandon Legion's Horror Wolf 666. On Tuesday, Jackie Smith brings us into the Necrosphere, the only music podcast I listen to regularly. Every week I look forward to an episode. Jackie covers uh, the extreme end of music, black metal, death metal, that sort of thing, you know, doom occasionally. Uh, Wednesday, um, I come at you guys with Everything Went Black. That's the... um, my first attempt at doing this thing. It's been doing it for quite a while at this point. And it's um, a very diverse group of subjects. Like, for example, we had the Adams family on. We had uh, other musicians. Josh Barnett, the uh, former UFC champion, was on a couple of times on the episode. Um, mm-hmm. I've had members of your former band ISIS appear on there. Um, You've had all of us, right? I think I've had everybody. Yeah. At yeah. one point or the other. Maybe not Cliff. I have to find mm. out the cliff eventually, you know. That would be a good listen. Yeah. Uh, recently, uh, you know, just just kind of like a variety show. It's like the Carol Burnett show of uh, podcasts. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Thursday, of course, is Necro Thursday, the uh, finest horror, horror review show on the internet. Friday, Spitball Media featuring Mike Scandato's brother, John Draper. Saturday is a day off from podcasting. Go out, enjoy the weather now that we're in November. Sunday, my buddy Carl brings us Soul Knox. And Carl and I have a collaborative thing that we're doing called Darkness Weaves. Every other month, we swap who does the show and who posts the episode. And we're focusing on the work of Carl Edward Wagner, a sadly, sadly obscure horror and weird fiction writer that um, has has a long reach, actually. He's influenced a lot of stuff that you guys have probably gotten into. But uh, yeah, Carl and I finished phase one recently, which is the uh, collection In a Lonely Place, which Valancourt Books recently published last year. So we completed our exploration of that. And now we're moving on to some of his other other work. Uh, The next up on the block is uh, the Kane saga. So we're going to be getting into that this month on his show first on Solnox. And then lurking out in the, in the stratosphere, we have Iblis manifestations brought to you by, by uh, Cheyenne of the great band Trivax. Now Cheyenne is too free, too much of a free spirit to um, adhere to a regular schedule. 
So he just kind of drops these episodes when you're least expecting them coming out of the darkness, like a beacon of light. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, that's it, man. That's, that's, uh, we all support each other. We know that you guys listen to pretty much all these shows. So that's awesome. We got this movement going on right now, which I feel really honored to be part of. So it's a lot of, a lot of fun. Hell yeah, man. Speaking of podcasts, I was disappointed. I actually learned from uh, Horror Wolf and Brandon Legion that Mick Garris is ending his podcast post-mortem. Dude, that's a bad... I, I was going to bring that up too, man, because I love Mick Garris. I used to... I love listening to him. Um, I like him more as like a, a commentary guy than maybe his films, you know? Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. Although Mick Garris has made some cool stuff. Actually, my girlfriend was just watching uh, Riding the Silver Bullet, Stephen King adaptation. Yeah, that's a good uh, one. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. Um, I've been meaning to go back and watch his version of The Shining. Um, I, I, it's been forever since I've seen it. Have you, uh, you checked out anything? But, you know, I know that you... Uh... You know, we're deep, deep into the 31 days thing, but uh, anything notable since we talk about stuff we've been, you know, checking out recently? Yeah, there's a couple things. Um, I picked up on Criterion Blu-ray movie Cure and uh, the others. The others I did watch during my 31 days of horror. Hadn't seen it in quite a while. And man, is that just a really good, classy, classic ghost story. I'm a big fan of both of those films. Um, yeah, you, know, we, and you and I did Cure a while we back. We did. Yes, that's that is a top five favorite horror movie of all time for me. I absolutely love that movie. The Criterion. I haven't watched it, but I'm sure it looks great. It's packed with extras. I mean, Criterion is something you really. It, it's they really make it worth it for you to purchase it. I always agree with that. Definitely, I got a bunch of Criterions in. Uh, my collection as well yeah i've been upgrading uh some some stuff that i did have that's not criterion a lot of it's out of print though unfortunately Criterion stuff tends to go especially the genre stuff tends to go out of print uh what else oh yeah you know rewatched the mothman prophecies during 31 days of horror uh what'd you think about that one I'm a fan, man. I love I love the mothman prophecies and i, I just love the whole folklore of the mothman you know I think that's a really cool like story. There's like all this connections with all these different uh you know men in black and you know it's it's like a there's um ah oh, damn I can't there's a book that that I have that I read a number of years ago the like the Mothman it's not the Mothman prophecies but it's another book that talks about all that yeah titles titles escaping me right now um. It was interesting. I remember when that movie came out, I was still living in Boston and I saw the trailer and thought, all right, this looks kind of lame. And then actually seeing it and loving it, like, holy shit, this is actually good. This is not uh, what I thought it was going to be. And then watching it this time, while I still liked it, I could really pick up more on its flaws, you know, like the stuff they added, like they, uh, they added this sort of corny, sentimental element to it that I didn't really like very much but uh for a big budget studio horror movie it's it's well above average yeah i was surprised too because i think i rented this on vhs or dvd in the late 90s yeah. or whenever this came out 2002 and, uh, uh, 2002 yeah so that mm. was like probably a dvd rental and uh yeah yeah i was pleasantly surprised and i was i was aware of that west virginia um mothman folklore 
and uh, you know that whole crypto zoology thing yeah. is like something I'm interested in, or was interested in at least back then. Yeah, no, I find that stuff very interesting. And I was listening to a podcast uh, about Mothman, and I was like, all right, I gotta, I gotta bust that out. And um, it's cool. Actually, it's like a two disc thing. Comes with a whole bunch of extras about like you know the Mothman lore and all that. So that that's really interesting stuff too. I've always been sort of fascinated by stuff like that and El Chupacabra and you know, as I said before, sea monsters, things like that. Yeah, you know, cryptids, definitely. Right. Um, anything else? I'm looking at my notes here. Uh, oh yeah, I saw a botch. <laughs> I went to a show. Good for you. Yeah. Just just got to point that out. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, yeah, it was, it was good to go to a show again. <laughs> I don't go to enough of them. That's uh, that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah, you know, like, since I do this podcast in my quote-unquote office, I was looking over at my book collection, and um, I have six volumes of the Max comic book, so I just started uh, recently rereading that. Are you a fan of the Max? Oh yeah, man, the Max is great. That was, I remember that's when we used to work. When I used to work at the uh, the warehouse, I used to buy those trades, like you know, with the employee discount. Those are awesome. Fuck yeah! And the MTV show was phenomenal, man. I think I was man sixteen, seventeen when that came out. Yep. And uh, man, it really kind of makes you miss the days where MTV was sort of cutting edge and doing interesting stuff like, you know, the max and liquid television. Uh, and there was never an official Blu-ray re uh, or DVD release of, of the max, but you know, I got the comics. So that's killer. Yeah, man. What about you? Um, Though I didn't do the, uh, 31 days i have been watching a bunch of stuff but uh you know i talked about some of it last week but um in the last few days i uh not a horror film but i'll, I'll tell you why i'm mentioning this um yeah i i watched uh casino the scorsese film we we watched yeah. it here uh me and tina watched it and um it was uh, you know with, with robert de niro joe pesci and john bloom aka joe bob briggs He's Dude, there. as soon as you said it, I know exactly who he played. Yeah. He's the useless guy who gets who gets fired, right? Yeah, this like shit heel, like redneck guy. What, what was his name? Like, uh, yeah, they called him a Momo. They referred to him as a Momo, which was an apt description of him. Wow. So, yeah. Joe Bob. Yep. Wow. So that's why I, I mentioned. Didn't even think of that until you mentioned it. That's crazy. Dude, I, I love Casino. People have always disagreed with me. I prefer it to Goodfellas. I mean, I don't prefer. I, I don't have a preference. They're both great. I, I love sure. both movies, you know. And um, yeah, just uh, I, I thought I always thought that was great. James Woods playing like the sketchiest oh, man ever. You know, Lester. He, you know? He's so good in that. And uh, I always point out how much I love the equal amount of blueberries in each muffin scene. Oh yeah, totally. Definitely <laughs> love that movie. Good, good catch um, though. The Joe Bob. Wow. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, one of the disappointments, though, is I, I we watched the John Carpenter Suburban Screams uh, thing that's on, uh, I think it's on Peacock, maybe. Mm -hmm. Bad. Is it? Well, dude, so bad that 
we put it on and like about 15 minutes into it we're just like i don't know man we want to watch something else so we, we put we put a casino on after in in the middle of it we just didn't uh, yeah i you know i kind of caught some reviews here and there for it and they were not positive and even listening to john carpenter on mick Garris's podcast wasn't really selling me on the show i mean first of all i found like john carpenter is like 75 he's been smoking for 70 of those 75 years so uh his voice was a little little rough, but um, so not worth checking out then, huh? No, I I got to say it seemed like uh it almost felt like a really cheap like sci-fi channel like show, you Oof. know, or really like something that just done on a very very with no no everyone's just collecting a paycheck doing it. It seemed like yeah, that seems to be John Carpenter's vibe for the last what has it been fifteen years or so since. Uh, the last, well, no, it wasn't Ghost of Mars. It was The Ward was his last movie. And that just didn't feel like a John Carpenter movie at all. And uh, I, just, I liked his episode of Masters of Horror, but again, kind of missing that Carpenter feel. I think that he is more interested in making music these days, which that is like definitely a strength that he has because I really, sure. really, I love all the music that he's been doing. Oh, yeah. Um, that's another thing I do in Halloween. I just, play john carpenter music all day I, I, those last those three things that came out recently are cool i got them all on vinyl man those things sound great on vinyl did you go see him i know he toured no man i ah, that's one of those things that just slipped by me somehow yeah me, me too uh my girlfriend went this is before we met and she still talks about how great it was and i'm like man why didn't I go to that? You know, there's always a couple things where you like, you really like, you like, oh, I'll catch it next time. Or, uh, you know, I just don't feel like going. And then you regret it. And that's one of them. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, late coming in late. I literally watched this last night, but um, I watched, I rewatched The Invitation. That's right. You texted me about that. Yeah, and I, I always knew that I loved that movie. I liked that movie immediately after the first time I watched it and um, going back several years. And uh, I was listening to an episode of uh, Evolution of Horror, and they talked about it in the Home Invasion uh, series that they're doing. And mm -hmm. uh, it prompted me to watch it again because I was like, oh, it's just like a good movie. And um, yeah, dude, I, I think that's like high-level filmmaking, in my opinion. Totally, totally agree. Mike, I listened to that same episode too. It was funny because I was thinking about rewatching it. Um, if you remember when we did our very first podcast together, we did our 10 favorite horror movies of the last decade. And uh, The Invitation was my number 10. Yeah, it's 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 great. And um, just the acting. And, and it's one of those mm -hmm. films that like, you know, you and I have talked about this a bunch where the, the types of horror films I like are just like a lot of dialogue and like these kind of slow burn yeah Ex expository like heavy movies with not so much action but like just atmosphere and that movie the invitation is all about this atmosphere and tension and you know just it's such a well acted the writing everything about it the film the filming the filmography the the um yeah the art of making the film yeah <laughs> whatever that's referred to is uh excellent so yeah Oh, man. Yeah, totally. Uh, I love how it kind of plays like it really doesn't show its hand till pretty significantly far into the movie. Like you're never ahead of anyone. You don't know what's happening. You're right there with the characters. 
I love stuff like that. And if you like that movie, um, I'm sure you've seen it, but if you're listening, uh, I highly recommend Coherence, which is also sort of a dinner party horror movie. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That That's a good one. And it seems like that movie takes place in real time almost, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. Great ending, too. Oh, yeah. And um, I, I don't know if I talked to you about it, but, you know, my plans on writing a book about the mm. uh, new millennium horror, you know, because yes. like everyone I've been working on outlines for it. And um, the invitation is in one of the subsections in the book, because, uh, you know, since the turn of the century, you know, everyone writes, you know, everyone, there's enough books out there about, you know, Dawn of the Dead and slashers and all that sort of stuff. But I feel like the first quarter century, you know, we're coming up on 25 years of the new millennium. Mm -hmm. cool to analyze like the last 25 years in films and because there's definitely these like sort of um eras or subsections you know there's like the new french extremity there's like you know this kind of quote-unquote elevated horror there's like the the return of folk horror and yeah you know this uh this fits in i i might do like a related section from folk horror with cults cults you know and Movies like this and um, Kill List and all that sort of kind of fit together, you know, in a way, you know. Absolutely. That seems to be the stuff I gravitate towards myself. Um, speaking of elevated horror, I had to ask you about this, Mike. There is a sequel to It Follows in development now. It is happening. It was announced. How do you feel about that? Uh, I kind of feel like they should have let, let the story go, you know what I mean? But um, I agree. You know, yeah, it kind of did its whole thing. The last thing I want with that, it was so perfect as it just its own standalone movie. It's to turn it into like some like, you know, series of sequels or, you know, I, that I'm just not into, you know? Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, it's cool that the same writer director is on board, but that movie ended perfectly and I don't want to know any anymore. I like coming up with this stuff in my head, like what I think happened. Uh, and I, sometimes sequels really take away the power of uh, the original film, which is something I, I think we'll probably talk about in discussing the movie we're, we're, we're about to talk about. And so let's let's get into some of the calls. Last week, we didn't have anyone. And this week, we got we got two two of our uh, two two listeners calling in. Of course, I'm referring to the Necrophone. If you want to leave us a voicemail, you can do so at 908-913-0782. 908-913-0782. We love hearing from you guys. Uh, I personally look forward to it every week. And um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. So give us a call. So first up, we got the return of Mike from Pennsylvania. Yo, Necro Hoods. It's Mike from Telford. Sorry I missed a week there, guys. Uh, Halloween is actually my uh, anniversary. So I was kind of busy that weekend. Uh, me and Mike have been together 20 years now. We went out and did our normal Halloween stuff where we'd, there's a lot of farms around this area that do, you know, hay rides and haunted houses and corn mazes and shit. So we always hit at least one of them around the season. So really enjoyed that last episode. I, we watched Terrified last night because you guys brought that up. And uh, that movie was cool. That was really creepy, man. I, I dug that. So definitely going to watch that other one tonight. Um, Hope you guys are doing good. Nothing much happened here. Uh, we we really failed at that 31 days of Halloween. I think we watched 10 movies. We got stuck on uh, Dr. Sleep. We never watched that before, and uh, 
20 years of us being together, we've lost a lot of fucking people close to us. So that movie, it wasn't the best, but it kind of hit us in that way. So uh, we kind of gave up after that. It made us fucking sad. So it did the job. It's definitely not The Shining, but I wasn't sorry I watched it. Well, in a way I was because it brought up a lot of shit that uh, we kind of keep tamped down. But uh, all right, looking forward to next week, guys. Hope everything's good. Later. First off, I'd like to congratulate Mike for 20 years. Uh, oh, yeah. That's awesome. I love hearing hearing that people are in long-term relationships and stay together and seem happy. So congratulations, man. Hell yeah. What, do you, what are your thoughts on uh, Dr. Sleep? Oh, man. I need another viewing because I go back and forth on it all the time. Uh, I don't love it. But it's not a bad movie. And it has an impossible task of, of being a sequel to The Shining based on a book that was a reaction to the film The Shining. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, it, it seemed like a monumental task. And I think uh, Mike Flanagan really, I think he did the best he could. Um, I know the book wasn't really highly regarded. I never read it, but... Uh, it it has some really really great moments. Uh, I'll I'll say that I do need to watch it again. I saw the three hour cut too, and I know there's a shorter theatrical version that played. Uh, what what did you think of it? It was okay. I mean, I read the book. Definitely does not come close to being as good as the the Shining itself. You know, and and yeah. the movie. You know, I mean, I, as much I know it's controversial with Stephen King. Like he didn't like it, but I I love the Shining. It's like one of my oh. favorites you know, films yeah. in general, you know? Um, yeah. And you know, it, it's, uh, it was okay. I mean, you know, it had its moments in it, you know, it's, but in general, I, Flanagan's always good, but I don't know. This mm. one's not, not one of my favorites. <laughs> not always, yeah. Mostly good with Flanagan. Yeah. Yeah. I did finish, uh, follow the house. Of Usher. We were all talking about that last time we did our exorcist episode and thumb, big thumbs up for that one. I, I still have to finish watching it, and I got to be honest with you guys. It's good, but um, I don't know how I feel about it, really. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's because maybe... I'm a – it's the – maybe because I'm, I'm like a Poe, like, purist, I guess. I don't know, man. You know what I mean? It's like you're, you're fucking around with something that's, like, important to me. You know what I mean? And, I get uh, what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's like if when people adapt, adapt Lovecraft and stuff, it's more – I'm very critical of it, you know? Yeah, and very few seem to get uh, Lovecraft right. And yeah, uh, I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I was uh, very, very pleased with it. Maybe we should talk about it sometime, Mike. Yeah, no, totally. And I I need to finish it, maybe restart it again from the beginning and then try to bang it out the whole in one sitting or something like that, you know? Yeah, that's, I think, I think it's eight. It would be like, it would be like nine hours out of your day. It can be done, but. <laughs> It would be monumental. Over, over like over a weekend or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Next up, we have um sorry, man, if I if I get your name wrong, Dave from Pittsburgh. It kind of got garbled, but thanks for calling, Dave, if that's your name. <laughs> At least if it's not your name, let us know. <laughs> let me call back and say my name is uh, you know, uh, college, <laughs> so. How's it going, gentlemen? It's Davis from Pittsburgh. Uh just listened to the new show and uh figured you'd be covering when evil lurks. Agree with you guys, it's pretty pretty cool movie. Um, yeah, I gotta thank the, uh, 
Horseman of the Apocalypse, you know, did a uh, turn and burn to Philly, you know, a few weeks back to go see Oxbow, and got to thank you guys for keeping me company, keeping me awake for the drive. Uh, they were really good, man. Grateful to have uh, finally seen those guys. Been a fan for a long time. But uh, on one of the episodes past, Jeff mentioned something about not enough uh, underwater monsters or something like that. So I got to recommend uh, maybe think of that movie Octoman from 1971. Awesome rubber suit monster movie. Really cool if you're into that kind of thing. And it was actually Rick Baker's first uh, movie. You know, he went on to do a lot of stuff that we all know and love. Um, also, too, I don't know when the last time any of you have watched Henry Part 2. Um, just revisited that. And that is definitely worth checking out if you haven't seen it in a while or ever. Um, that Nick Giantoli isn't as menacing as Michael Rooker, but he does a good job. But the rest of the cast is really cool. Um, just believable characters. Uh, just got that gritty, like, direct, you know, to video type vibe to it. I don't know. Just feel like it's been like um kind of buried and definitely stands on its own. It's pretty good. Um and then on the uh reading front I gotta recommend uh Michael Berryman's memoir called It's All Good. And uh I don't know if anybody listeners out there have been fortunate to have met him or spent any time with him, but uh he's a good man. He's a great guy. Uh it's definitely a pretty uh heavy duty story and Worth reading, but yeah, he's he's one of the good ones. So um, thanks for the shows, gentlemen, and we'll uh, keep listening. Talk to you soon. Bye bye, dude. I had no idea there was even a uh, a Henry Part Two. Did you know that? Uh, I did know that. I hadn't thought about it until he brought this up. Uh, I don't. I'm honestly not sure if I've seen it. I feel like I did, and that tells you all you really need to know about it. I mean. The original Henry is unforgettable. It's one of the most unsettling films I've ever seen in my life. I remember watching it at 16 in my girlfriend's basement and just being absolutely mortified. And if I did, the sequel was just, you know, like he mentioned the direct-to-video kind of thing. I mean, nowadays, we have streaming and that direct to video doesn't you know it doesn't have the sort of stigma that it that it did then you know like this sort of low budget you know cheap tie-in bullshit yeah um but yeah it's not i mean people don't talk about it for a reason i have to check it out though still i didn't even know it existed and i'm a huge <laughs> fan of, of henry the first one henry portrait of a serial killer i think the first one was like a high point in just an extreme filmmaking you know absolutely yeah uh i would probably think think american psycho too you know what i mean another film i haven't seen so oh you're really not missing anything now regarding underwater monsters uh that's definitely a good recommendation i haven't seen that film that he was referring to no i haven't i haven't seen it either so i'm definitely going to check that out also, uh, thanks for the heads up on the Mike Barryman uh, uh, novel. It's all good. Or not novel, but biography. It's all good. Definitely want to check mm. that out, too. Yeah. So that brings us to our uh, feature of the week. And this week, we're talking on the heels of When Evil Lurks. We're talking about Terrified, a movie that I feel like we should have covered back in 2017 when it came out. Yeah, when I saw that, it was, 
was uh, came out in 2017. I was surprised it didn't hit my radar until the uh, pandemic. I feel like I don't think Shutter acquired it until right around then. I think this had been floating around for a few years before it, it came over here. But I could be wrong. I'm trying to remember where I watched it. Maybe it was just on a prime rental or something because um, I remember reading about Terrified in Room Morgue. And I was like, man, this sounds like right up my alley. And there was like, uh, I think th those years, there was a ton of like um, international films that came out. There was like those those Southeast Asian films that, are, that were coming out, um, like Satan's Slaves. And, uh, you know, this whole slew of, of international movies were coming out and other films from South America. And um, this one, just I read the description of it and I was like, man, this is great. And I rented it. And I was totally blown away by it, but we never covered it. So now it's good that years later, on the heel of uh, Damien Rugna's When Evil Lurks, we're talking about this one. So that's kind of cool. And I, I'm actually watching When Evil Works, uh, Lurks. Ugh. I'm actually watching that tonight. I have yet to see it. Oh, interesting. Okay, cool. Because there's a couple of things that I'll talk about. And I want you to let me know what you think about that after you see it. Absolutely. Um, I thought about trying to squeeze it in last night because uh, I watched Terrified kind of late. And I was like, man, do I have time to watch a whole other movie? And uh, decided I didn't. So um, I'm really looking forward to it uh, after after watching this. All right. So written and directed by Damien Rugna. Uh, October 2017, it premiered at the Morbido Fest. And then May 3rd, 2018, it, it debuted... Uh, in Argentina. The movie is mm -hmm. eight, 87 minutes long. Quick one. And, uh, yeah, I'm just going to run through the cast. Uh, Maximiliano Gione as Commissioner Funes. Norberto Gonzalo as Yano or Jano, I guess how you say his name. One of the, one of the coolest names, Elvira Onedo as Dr. <laughs> Mora Albrecht. Uh, George L. Lewis as Rosentock. Julieta Valina as Alicia. Uh, Damien Salomon as Walter, Augustine Ritano as Juan, Natalia Senorales as Clara, Matias uh, Rascovascia, <laughs> destroying this kid's name, as one of the more pivotal characters, the boy. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. And of course, uh, Lorenzo La La Langer as Patricio. And so that's the cast. Yeah, uh, not a huge cast, not a long runtime. The movie moves quick, and man, like, it was over before I even knew it. Like, it just sort of ended. I was like, oh, that's it? I thought there was another hour. Yeah, so it's, it's um, it moves fast. It It is only 87 minutes long, which is still, you know, I wonder if there's a longer cut of this somewhere, or if this is, you know, you know what I'm trying to it's, say? Like, I feel... no. Yeah, definitely. There were some things almost that I felt like were were cut out because there's a uh, a conversation that takes place between two of the characters later, and it seemed to reference something that didn't happen. Uh, so I, I do have I, I do think there is a uh, a longer cut that you know that existed at at, at one point. This movie starts off in one like a a favorite setting of mine, just like the mundane everyday world of everyday life you know what i mean um we're at the home of uh clara in buenos aires and uh she's hearing voices mm. which from the drain from the kitchen sink 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now that's like, I, that's like some of my favorite settings where you're just in this like very, very natural mundane world. And then bizarre things start happening to you. And it's like, you know, some of my favorite fiction just in general starts off like very unremarkable setting like this. Yeah, absolutely. To normal people uh, just living their lives and something strange happens to one of them and the other person doesn't think much of it uh, until he's forced to. Yeah, and there's uh, well, these voices are telling her is that they're planning to kill her. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, they're also having a little bit of trouble with their neighbor, Walter. You know, Walter makes uh, a lot of noise, a lot of weird bumps going on in the night. They start to notice cracks in their wall, and they think it's coming from Walter doing renovations on his house. Now, it's interesting the way they frame this up, because, you know, you're thinking like, oh, there's some guy, like a bad neighbor living next door. But they there's these two like parallel stories that are going on with Walter and, um, you know, uh, Clara Well, Clara, you know, we'll find out what happens to her, but yeah. But the guy, her husband's name is Juan, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's Juan. Yeah, exactly. So there's like a parallel sort of occurrence going on in these two houses. So at night, um, Juan wakes up after he hears some thumping noises and he probably thinks it's just Walter wilding out. And, um, <laughs> And he sees Clara's dead body being smashed repeatedly against the walls of the bathroom by some invisible force. Yes. And, uh, you know, we're about maybe five minutes into the film and you're already getting like very like horrific imagery. Um, I love the, the, the look on Juan's face. It, it's so real. Like it, you can he knows what he's seeing, but it hasn't sunk in yet. This is like a recurring thing like that Damien Rugness seems to love to do in his movies where it's like you the things that you don't think are going to happen happen like you you're like ah oh, he's not going to kill this kid and the kid's dead you know what I mean like right that's like yeah. the kind of stuff that happens even in, in you'll see in when you watch when evil lurks there's like you're like whoa things happen and you're like can't believe I just saw that you know and that's what you see that in terrified as well yeah absolutely and um you know, you think, again, it's just sort of setting up the, these people, you know, Juan and his wife. And, you know, the movie switches uh, perspectives not long after that scene. You know, Juan's been arrested. Obviously, they think he killed his wife. And uh, they say, well, tell me about your, your neighbor or whatever. And then we see what's happening through Walter's perspective. And so, again, we're like, you know, just a few minutes into the film and we've switched perspectives now we're we're kind of following Walter and his problems with what's going on in his house. Um, now th this was a duplex, right? Like yeah. they shared a wall. Shared a wall. Yeah. Um, now the thing with Walter, where difference the difference in his experience, <laughs> excuse me, is that you get the sense that he he's being tormented like for a longer period of time because there's scenes of him trying to get like in touch with a psychiatrist or whatever someone to help him he's like i'm seeing things like you know i can't sleep like all this kinds of stuff you know and he's experiencing these things over a longer period of time and it's driving him into this like state you know 
Yeah, there's a desperation with Walter. I really like that uh, they show him talking to the uh, the, the doctor or, or, or the doctor's receptionist or whatever it, at work. Like he's he's at work. He's got like a, a button up shirt and a tie on, but he's hunched over and like stressed out. I don't know. I, I just really uh, thought there, there was like a little undercurrent of humor to it. Like like this guy at work, just he's really weird, sketched out and. You know, he doesn't know what to do. He's so desperate. He's making these phone calls at work. Uh, I thought that was a very nice touch. Yeah. And this touches on like this kind of almost like primordial fear that people have, you know, that it's almost like every kid's nightmare. It's it's what um, he's experiencing, you know, with like the fear of something being under your bed or in a closet. Yeah. You know? And that that I thought was really effective. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, so Walter, you know, the, then we think, you know, we're going to follow Walter, but then again, it kind of switches gears on us, the film. Um, Walter disappears. Yeah. And we get uh, three paranormal investigators come to uh, talk to Juan and uh, and a regular cop, Funes. Yeah, and Funes, yeah. Yeah, so then it switches perspectives again. I guess Funes is I somewhat would would you say he's the central character in in, in this? Yeah, he would be like uh yeah, the 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 sort of common thread throughout this whole narrative. And um what interesting to note about Funes is that he's uh approaching some kind of retirement too. Like he's has some medical issues, maybe I think it's his heart or something like that. Yeah, they said they said I think they said specifically what it was, but I, I didn't catch it. I didn't write it down. And he, he has a hearing relatively aid. young, relatively young guy, too. I mean, he's probably like mid 40s or something like that, maybe 40. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what I'd say, too. Yeah. But, you know, there's something he's like coming. He's a short timer. Like He's coming down to the end of his, uh, you know, his career with the police department. And, uh, you know, of course, he, he lands this this uh, case. You know, of course, that's like the classic you know, cop story, <laughs> you know, or it's like, you know, I only got like, you know, two months left and I'm retired and then you get this one hell of a case dropped on you, you know? Yeah, exactly. But it's interesting to me that we really don't meet him till the film's already been going for a little while now. You know, you don't see what's happening completely through his eyes. We've already seen it from a few different perspectives. I just, I thought it was a very interesting way to frame a movie, you know, like it almost feels like there isn't really a main character. Um, yeah, this, so this third, this third, uh, occurrence has to do with Alicia and, um, she's her, her dead son basically. And it turns out that Funes and Alicia used to have a relationship, which I thought was like an interesting, uh, flip, you know what I mean? That was kind of like a, you know, I don't know. I thought that was interesting that they, they didn't, they weren't strangers. Right. Um, this is actually one of my criticisms of the movie is that I felt that that uh, didn't add much to the story. It was really, really underdeveloped. Um, like it's like why I, I thought it would have more significance to the plot, but I don't. It didn't at all. Well, that's what led me to believe that there might be a longer cut of this movie. Right, they did make a point out of bringing that up. Yeah, it, it just felt a little out of place and uh, undercooked. I feel like there's a lot with Finez that maybe got left on the cutting room floor. Uh, 
he's such an interesting character. He doesn't really behave like people who normally behave in these kinds of films, you know? Yeah. Maybe with um when Evil Lurks looks like it's uh <clears throat> fairly successful, maybe they'll maybe another cut of this film will come out. Yeah, maybe. Um but uh yeah, do we, we talk like uh let's talk about the kid for a yeah, second. That, like it's well, that's like the real this this is the real point of this whole part is this kid now to her son who gets hit by a bus. <laughs> yeah. Like his like um him getting hit by a bus, like the first time I saw this movie, I was just like, Holy shit, you know, he just just the kid gets taken out by this bus, dude, which is brutal. It's almost almost on like a Stephen King level, you know. That's exactly what I was thinking. It had like a King vibe to it. Uh, it it's still like, uh, you know, unexpected, and shocking. And uh, but I mean, is it the thing that caused that to happen or was it an accident? You know, that's an excellent question, because I have thoughts about that. But those thoughts didn't really arise until after I watched When Evil Lurks. Mm, OK, you know, and. And I might be completely out of my mind or like not, you know, out, totally out of line, maybe, but thinking that those these two films might have some connection, you know? No, I mean, I like I said, I haven't seen it yet, but uh, it I mean, that could very well be possible. Um, yeah, they, they, I got to say, man, that kid corpse coming back to life or not even coming back to life, just seeing that corpse sitting at the kitchen table it's one of the most horrific images i've seen in a horror movie in a long time oh, absolutely as a matter of fact i was on brandon's podcast where we talked about the most disturbing images you know of like horror films a while back and that was one of the ones that i the scariest moments in horror that's one of them is like i mean just think about it there's like this it, the fact that it's a kid too like this young boy claws his way out of the grave you know and just ends up at home and him sitting complete well, almost almost completely still at the kitchen table with like a glass of milk and cereal in front of him just yeah there. and yeah it's so much more effective that he's not moving or anything he's just sort of sitting there and then you hear a noise and it cuts back to him and and the people are debating like was his arm in that position before uh it, it was so man it really really bothered me yeah, me too. You know, and then when they come to investigate him, and um, because at this point, um, Quinez brings his uh, his buddy Janos into this thing, uh, who's like a you know like a specialist on this sort of stuff, or Jano, Jano. Yeah, he used to be a coroner. I think I I have, but yeah. then he sort of got interested in the paranormal. I think I'm going to make a career move like that. What do you think, Jeff? Yeah, dude. Uh, I'm we give up, you know, up my career. <laughs> <laughs> I think the three of us, the necromaniacs, should branch out into ghost hunting. You know, we can sell the show to Sci-Fi Channel or Netflix or something. You know, three guys who don't know what they're doing hunting ghosts. I mean, who wouldn't watch that? <laughs> Pretty awesome, man. Fuck but, yeah, dude, I'm in. So Jano is getting really close to this thing, and and he's like checking it out, and they're they're commenting on how it smells like rotting flesh, and it's like you know. Is it, they check to see if he's breathing and he's not breathing and you know it's just so fucking intense man it is the look on the kid's face is so gnarly like his skin is like this grayish green 
and it just has this like just really like like not evil look on his face just you know what a, what a dead body like looks like you know it's it's oh man it's so creepy so but, of course uh, they, they uh you know they suspect um you know they're they're actually coming up with a plan as to like what they're going to report because but that, that i thought was interesting too like how Quinez and jano are discussing how they're going to report it you know like it's um obviously they think something supernatural is going on at, maybe not initially but they can't report like oh yeah there's a reanimated corpse that just showed up you know right and uh, yeah i couldn't like tell were they trying to protect uh the um, alicia the mom because you know funis had a relationship with her maybe i thought i i read it as they kind of suspected that she dug, dug this kid up yeah yeah that's that's what that's and i, I think that's why they made it a point to show that um Unez and alicia had a relationship because i think cops generally with a stranger would just report okay this person's you know dug up a dead body and brought it back to the house you know right and i, I just thought it was odd. you know there was no like scene or anything of uh funes pulling alicia aside like asking how she is you know you never like saw them together like talking about having a past relationship i just thought it was a a, a weird touch like it you know, once you mentioned that they did have a relationship, you know, a couple scenes, quick scenes of them talking, you know, maybe like, oh, how, how have you been? You know, how are you doing? You know, it feels very impersonal between the two of them. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. That. And that's why, you know, once again, it, it reinforces my idea that, you know, at least to me, that there might be a different cut of this film floating around. Right. Yeah. But that's sort of like how we get everyone together. So they're looking... um, Funes and and um, Jano are at Alicia's house, and across the street, uh, one of the other Albrecht, uh, the paranormal investigator, is uh, looking at Walter's house. And yeah, they meet out on the street, and and he recognizes her because he's been to one of her seminars or something like that. Right. Yeah. So they come to the conclusion that this is not a coincidence. That uh, what are the chances two strange things happening? in the same neighborhood and uh so yeah there uh this movie also jumps back in time a lot uh or, or like kind of plays with time a little bit like it's uh and most of what we're seeing uh, up until here this is all uh in the past and yeah. uh yeah. Yep. yeah um so yeah so the paranormal investigators go to see one they come up with a plan of there's three paranormal investigators each investigator is going to stay in one of these three houses. And uh, that's when all hell breaks loose. And we, yeah. And they, why is Juan there? <laughs> I, I, not Juan, um, Funes. Like, I couldn't, I was like, yeah, he's, he's not a paranormal investigator. What's he doing there? Did I miss that? It's not like a, an, a, an official police investigation, you know? And, um, so he's not there in any kind of official capacity. He's just there maybe because he feels involved, you know, and maybe once again, mm. this is the connection with Alicia and um, why he has some sort of, an, you know, stake in this whole thing, you know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't for the life of me figure out like, fine. I was like, did I miss something? It doesn't seem like he needs to be there, but that, that what you just said makes perfect sense. Yeah. It just, 
they're just a little underdeveloped. You know what I mean? As to why like their relationship is just a little underdeveloped. It just they touch on it, but they don't really develop it at all. You know, but I think yeah. that's why why it exists in the movie. And for a movie that's 87 minutes, I wouldn't mind three extra minutes of, you know, that stuff. Just something to just, you know, sort of uh, punch punch that part up a little bit. Uh, but yeah, like you said, all all hell breaks loose. And that's sort of the, the, the meat of the movie is these paranormal investigators in the house. Um, you know, I wanted to talk a bit about jump scares. Uh, I think most people like listening to this probably hate jump scares. Uh, I'm not like a big fan of them either. They're cheap. Um, they're not scary after the first time you see them. This movie has quite a few jump scares that are really effective. Yeah, I mean, not you know. Spoiler alert: the the way that the way that Albrecht gets dispatched <laughs> and, and then comes back. Yeah, it, it's Dude. like, yeah. I was trying to figure out how they shot, like, because it doesn't look like CGI. It looks practical. I was trying for the life of me to figure out how the fuck they did that when she comes out uh, to the car and her, you know, her head's upside down. Yeah. It, and she just, like, emerges from the darkness while he's on the phone and in his car. And it's just so, just the whole thing. It's like, it's, um, it almost has this a lot of this has the same feelings for me as back when I was a kid when I watched the thing for the first time. Mm. You know what I mean? I mean it's it's a way different type of movie, but the same nightmare world that the thing puts you in is like what terrified accomplished for me later later as an adult man watching this, you know. No, absolutely. Uh, like the the scenes, you know, the last whatever, like when they go to investigate the house, like it's very nightmarish and unnerving. And it's not a slow burn. Like as soon as they get in those houses, all like, you know, basically everything goes to hell. Now, the meat of the story, and this is where this you're watching this and you're like, OK, this is like a cosmic horror, basically, because there's Albrecht kind of describes what she believes is going on, where there's. Uh, this is like a portal, like this neighborhood has become like a portal to a, a different dimension, basically. And these beings are trying to cross over and they're using water as a conduit to enter into our reality, you know? And I thought that was really cool. Like, and this is the thing that I like about this film as well as when evil lurks, where the supernatural is dealt with in almost a practical way. Um, I mean, like the cops come and investigate it. There's like this pseudo scientifical explanation as to what's going on. It's not just like, oh yeah, it's magic. It's like, no, yeah. there's, just, there's these microorganisms like in this water stream and this is how it's entering. You know, there's like this description of it that has like, if you have to make one leap of faith and you're like, oh, okay, this makes sense, you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. And And again, it's just Albrecht's theory. It does not really spell out uh, what is happening? Um, what's the other one? I can't even read my own writing. Reztac, the uh, the third paranormal investigator. Oh, Rosentock. Rosentock. Jesus Christ, yeah. I can't fucking spell or write. Uh, Rosentock. He has, you know, he kind of figures it out a little bit beforehand too that there are two different perspectives: the light and the dark. And these things are 
always here. We just can't see them. You yeah. need to kind of like it's a philosophical element. If you change your perspective, you see them. Uh, I I really like that a lot. Yeah, it's, 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 almost, it's almost like a from beyond kind of vibe. You know what I mean? Like the Lovecraft story where there's like you know this this different focus of reality and these things are like always there. Yeah, exactly. Like th- if you were to explain this movie to someone, it is deceptively simple you're like it's basically a haunted neighborhood but there's a lot more going on though than than, than just that and uh what did you think of the creatures themselves i mean this thing that you really you really don't get a good look at it which i think is a very smart move great they're terrifying they're scary looking you got this it's the creature design was like successful because you get the intent the, the impression that they exist in a, two different places almost you know yeah yeah exactly like the, you don't really get a good look at their structure like at one point you see under the bed that there's you see like a set of feet and you see a face like it doesn't make any you're like are there two of those things or is that one just sort of shaped like a pretzel i don't know like it was it was, it, I thought it was very smart to kind of keep them as hidden as possible. Yeah, and for, I don't think the budget on this was huge, but this doesn't look like the effects don't look bad. Like when you see the mom, or, or I'm sorry, uh, Juan's wife at the beginning, sort of being slammed back and forth in, in a tub, it looks there's something unnerving and creepy about it. Like I don't know if they did it practical or or not, but just man, like. And every shot of like a creature or a monster, it all looks it all looks really good. Yeah, and once again, that's why I bring up the thing, you know, which is mm. a triumph of practical special effects. And like I said, it had the same effect on me now than it did when I was a kid watching the thing for the first time, where the practical effects had this like mad madness inducing like otherworldly quality to it, and um. You know, and as a young kid, that was right around the time I started reading, um, yeah, Robert E. Howard, and then Lovecraft. Mm. You know? So the whole, th- all that environment stuff kind of like connected with me. And that this movie gives me the same feeling. You know, it's like this madness, this world of chaos that these things are coming from, or that they, this dimension that they're in, which is mm. here, occupying the same temporal region that we're in, but is shifted off of some access that makes it not a, not um like a viewable by us but they're this world of like chaos and madness that they're in yeah yeah like you mentioned very uh lovecraftian from beyond sort of vibes um i gotta point out i really like Funes, uh reaction to what's going on i think he pulled his gun like four different times in in this movie and said i need to get out of here just as many times like he keeps going from house to house saying he needs to get out of here <laughs> but, yeah, but he doesn't leave only. at first uh i just i don't know i, I again i i, I found a undercurrent of dark humor throughout this movie i don't know i don't know if you you agree that's definitely present that's like one of the one of the things that's present in, in rugna's films is uh intense intensity uh you know a bleak vibe and more so in when evil lurks and then mm. An undercurrent of dark humor and it's like but each done in exactly the right measure you know what i mean yeah i i think like uh, i don't know how many films he's directed i'm not sure if this is his first film or or what but man he has like a real uh mastery of like the tone and nailing it like the kid at the breakfast table 
that could be goofy but and it kind of is but it works there's something so unsettling about it man he just nails it all those little moments that you need to nail to make a really good horror movie he does like that the the wife being beaten by an invisible force in the beginning the kid at the breakfast table the the jump scare the woman uh albrecht coming out with her head upside down just kind of walking towards the the car you know it, every moment like that is is perfect so real quick about damien rugna uh so these are the films he's done he has a movie from 20 2007 called the last gateway intriguing title. title yep yeah 2011 uh cursed bastards uh i guess it's a segment in a um uh, anthology um uh, then in 2016, he has uh, You Don't Know Who You're Talking To, which could be maybe a, a, a comedy or who knows, you know? Yeah. <laughs> then uh, Terrified in 2017, he had a segment in uh, 2022's uh, Satanic Hispanics. This is a segment. I saw it. I also saw it. And then, of course, now When Evil Lurks. Mm, which is getting a lot of attention, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have not listened to your episode of on where evil lurks because I haven't seen the film yet, but I am very much watch, looking forward to watch the film first, definitely. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm taking you guys really liked it. Yeah, yeah definitely. Awesome. Watching, yeah, definitely rewatch that one too. Um, all right. So Funes makes it out. He comes back and burns down the house. Yeah. Well, he has a heart attack, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. Basically, yeah, he has a heart attack, and, and they, but he does make it out alive though. He does, and okay, there was a moment before uh, with uh, him and uh, Alicia, and this is what I was talking about. She's like, "I saw what you did to my child. You tried. I couldn't let you rebury him. You tried to make me think I was crazy, or so." I was like, "What did he try to make her think she was crazy?" Like, I felt like that's what they were talking about—something that was missing from the film. Yeah, like a missing. Yeah, that's a that's an editing issue, I think. You know, definitely something that it could have been like locked in a little bit more succinctly. You know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just it's a, a fairly minor. Uh, it didn't take me out of the movie. I just was like, well, what is she talking about? Did I miss something? Um, but I, again, there, there's this weird humor to this. Like, you know, you're not going to bury my son. She goes and takes him out of the freezer, and she's driving around with him in the back seat. Yeah, it's good. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So Funus is sort of like your classic Lovecraft character in a way where he has seen uh, a peek into the other world and he'll never be the same. Uh, you know, at the end of the film, he's sort of disappeared too. He's like yeah. a fugitive. I wonder if, uh, yeah, I always want to interview these guys and find out what, where they're coming from. You know what I mean? Because one time I interviewed the guys who did Black Mountainside, or not Black Mountainside, um, uh, State Seder. That dude. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, he's like, I never read Lovecraft. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. Right on. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, that's hard to imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would yeah, imagine I mean, he had been, a, he was a Lovecraft fan, uh, this, this filmmaker. It would surprise me if he never read him. Yeah. Um. All right, so we come back into the present time and we have Juan back at the psych, psych facility. And uh, there he's being, you know, uh, more more questioning is going on with him, interrogations, but the police trying to get to the bottom of what happened. 
but he's uh keeps seeing this like uh tall man mm. that looks like rosenstock but all burned up like lurking in the background right yeah exactly and we didn't see what happened to rosenstock did we like he's, not really yeah like it kind of hints that something came out of the closet maybe in ghana but we never we never found out what happened to him but i mean now that uh juan is sort of seeing his um ghostly presence in there we and all burnt up we assume rosenthal died in the fire that funis said yeah that that's that was my impression too you know yeah um, and yeah it's it's a, a chair comes flying at the camera that you know the end like the movie just sort of ends man it was very surprising uh, i was like oh that's it uh which I think, I don't know, did you get like a vibe that they were trying to maybe go for sequels with this or did it, or is this just am ambiguous for artistic purposes? Uh, I, I, think, I couldn't tell. I think it was ambiguous for artistic purposes just because, um, you know, this movie was made on a, on a fairly low budget. And I, I don't think Rugna would have the idea of making this type of film with sequels in mind, but... Mm not so much a sequel, but I feel like this movie exists in the same world as when evil works. Mm. Yeah. You were saying, yeah. You know, cause in both films, there's like these, uh, in, 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 uh, lurks, they straight up name them as like demons coming into, into this reality. But it, it's, it's, um, I don't know. It's just so interesting to me. Like what you're after watching this and then watching lurks, tell me like what your impressions are. Oh no, I definitely will. Um I was really excited to uh to watch that. And I, I do gotta mention that was the second time I watched Terrified. I saw it first during the pandemic. Pretty sure it was during the pandemic. Uh and you know, it didn't grab me the first time. Uh, I remember I watched this at something like three or four in the morning, since uh, you know, I, I wake up and I can't fall back asleep. And I think sometimes, you know, like that watching something really early can add to the atmosphere of the film. But I think that time it just kind of hurt it. Like, I don't think I was paying as close enough attention or, or what, but it didn't really make an impact on me. So when I watched it again last night, I mean, it had a, a, a deep impact on me. I, I loved this. And I don't know, sometimes it, it takes a minute maybe to get on a filmmaker's wavelength. Um, Sort of like, you know, you just interviewed the Adams family. And uh, the first time I saw The Deep You Dig, you know, I wasn't that into it. But then, you know, I saw Hellbender and it made me want to go back and watch Deeper You Dig. Because I'm like, oh, I kind of get what these guys are doing now. I'm on their wavelength. Yeah. The new one is like, they just, it just keeps getting better with those guys. Like, I, I, I really believe that their future in filmmaking is going to be pretty prominent as these they make more and more of these movies, honestly. Yeah, yeah, no, I get that. I can't wait to watch the new one. Yeah, and uh, yeah, this is this. Yeah, it just needed a second viewing for me to to click, and man, did it click! This is one of the best horror movies of the uh, of the new millennium. I mean, top top twenty for sure. Oh yeah, no doubt. I um. So, what do you give it on a score of one to five? One one skull being uh, poor and five skulls being the best. I give it a 4.5. Yeah. That's exactly what I gave it. And the only reason it's not a five sculler is because, uh, you know, there was like a couple of things in the, just in the 
maybe the, even maybe just the editing that that like yeah. like we were talking yeah. about the underdevelopment of some of the characters i thought was um yeah and that's more of like a really picky thing because i wanted more to know more about some of the characters which in a way is good because i was invested in the film you know but yeah, yeah. so that, that gave it a 4.5 yeah i was fine with the ambiguity of uh the what was happening i like like i said i like kind of coming to by you know they give you sort of like you know other dimensions theories like it doesn't really spell everything out for you i appreciate that stuff but i i would much rather have had yeah the characters just a, a tiny bit more developed but man this is really 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 good like this one a lot awesome so there you go guys that's our uh our rundown of terrified and of course Try to watch these movies. Uh, they're both on Shutter now, so watch this mm -hmm. one and When Evil Lurks. Make a night out of it, and uh, let us know what you think of these two films and uh, what you think of uh, Damien Rugna, who I think is going to become, um, you know, another another filmmaker to to keep track of in the coming years. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, Hollywood will come knocking on his door very soon. I think. He's going to do like uh, the Black Adam or something like that next. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll be doing some fucking Marvel movie or something. God, I hope not. But, you know, uh, I would be very excited to see this guy with, a, you know, a bigger budget just to see what he does, man. Like, uh, like you said, he's one to watch for sure. All right, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Take care. Take care. Right on, man. That was good. Right on. Yeah. Um, I got to run, man, but uh, All right, dude. Uh, we'll come up with another one soon. I'll text you tonight and let you know what I think of that, of that movie. Yeah, let me know, man. I, I want to see what you think about it. All right. All right, yeah. dude. Take care. All right, All man. Right. Take care. Bye.
Buster. <laughs> 